Have you ever thought about selling everything, packing up a little tiny bit and moving it all the way from the bottom of the United States, El Paso, all the way up to Alaska and taking on a whole new life and adventure? That's what's coming on today's show as I interview Ann Parker and her husband, who's a pilot. He's not on the show, but he is also with her up in Alaska. We're going to talk about their adventure their adventure in aviation, how they decided midlife to get their uh, pilot license, and then a little bit about their move to Alaska, his plane crash, and just what an adventure they've had and what waits them next. And if you've ever felt stuck in life and wondered how to get out of a rut, this show is for you. Welcome to the Pilot Wife Podcast, your ongoing checklist for navigating your best life as a pilot wife and aviation family. I'm your co-captain, Jackie Elmer. I've been a pilot wife for over three decades and can't imagine any other lifestyle. On the show, you'll hear stories, experiences, tips, advice, interviews with other pilot wives, pilots, aviation professionals, non-revving and travel experts also on this journey. Yes, it's a mixed bag of goods, but what life isn't? I'm here to bring you the best that the aviation life has to offer. If you have a topic suggestion, a story to share on the show, details are at the end. And if you want the Pilot Wife Survival Guide and Checklist, go to pilotwifechecklist.com. Now, stow your baggage, strap in, and let's unpack the Pilot Wife life. So Ann Parker from Alaska, welcome to the show. We have so much to cover and I'm ready to dive in. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. This will be fun. It will be fun. And what an adventure you've had. And I can't wait to hear it myself and share it with the audience. And before I do that, I have to give a shout out to my good friend, uh, Cindy Walker, who was the one who said when I told her I was launching this podcast, we go way back 30 I don't even want to tell you how many years, 35 years, probably in aviation. That's how we met, became friends. She's the godmother of my son. Um, we're still very, very good friends. But when I told her about this podcast, she was like, oh, you know who you should interview? Ann Parker up in Alaska. And she went through this whole story and I thought, okay. So I reached out and you said yes. And here we are. So thank you, Cindy. Yes. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate so it. Yeah, and there's so much to cover. So from a small town in New Mexico to a cul-de-sac in El Paso, Texas, to now the last frontier in Alaska mm -hmm. and basically living off the grid. Please, let's start with your background. What led you to aviation? Um, yeah, just dig in and tell us about you. Well, uh, what led us to aviation? It does, it's kind of an interesting story. My son was in Boy Scouts uh, back in about 2006. 2005, somewhere in there. <clears throat> and he wanted to get his aviation badge. And so we knew a, a friend who was a pilot. So I asked him if he would take my son up so we can get all of the, you know, the criteria done for that aviation badge. And so uh, we went out one Sunday evening and he took him up for a night flight. And uh, I got in the, in the front seat with my, my son, my two sons were in the back seat. And so we went for a flight and he did stalls and, you know, just kind of did Quite a few things, and I thought this is really a lot of fun. And my son and my husband was sitting in the truck on the on the tarmac, uh, and this is just a little bitty airport, you know, just a little country airport. And so he was sitting there, and uh, we I got finished with my flight, and we switched. And so I was sitting in the truck, and while I was sitting there, I thought, 
you know, as a wife, you have to figure out how do I bring this up to my husband that I want to do this? So you've got a plan, you know, the way you, you present it. <laughs> so, uh, so my mind was just going and I thought, I really want to get my pilot's license. And, and I knew he had mentioned it before, but so I thought, I think this is going to be an easy sell. So we went home that night, we put the kids to bed and I, uh, had it all figured out. And I told him, you know, I really think this would be a fun thing for us to do as a couple. And man, there was no even talking him into it. He was, he was gung ho from the, the first moment that I said I wanted to do it. The next day, he already had our finances lined up to, to get it done, talked to a flight instructor. And so we were, it was, it was on then. And that was probably about uh, April uh, and so I was still teaching. I was teaching. So we went ahead and started doing our ground school together, you know, just with the videos. And, and so we got our tests done and we hit the ground running at the first of the summer. And uh, I had my license by September. Uh, let's see. I had I got my license September 10th and he got his the next day. So I like to tell people I got mine first. <laughs> and. Yeah, it just had to do with the scheduling, but I still got mine first. <laughs> but then his went on to be a career. Uh, I was doing it for fun. He was a trooper at the time. And I, and I tell this about this in the book, but he was a trooper and was man who kind of in law enforcement, you can get burned out. And so he was burning out pretty bad. And uh, there was an aircraft division in the state of Texas for the troopers, but you always had to know somebody. You had to have an in. There was like one opening every three years or something like that. And one of the qualifications was to have a private pilot's license. And so, uh, but it wasn't even a thought, you know. And then as soon as he had his private pilot's license, it was less than a year later that they had 10 openings. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, this is this is just opening some doors. I said, you've got to do this. And so he applied and got it. And so it became his career for the next 10 years until, until he uh, retired. So it really was a, a good deal for him. Well, it sounds like it. So I want to backtrack just a little bit back to that flight um, where you're mm -hmm. sitting in the front doing stalls and all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff, which makes my stomach just a little queasy. I love to fly. I love small airplanes, but I've never done a stall. So what was it? Oh. What captivated you? Like, what were you thinking? What was going through your mind at that during that flight that made you say, I think I want to do this? You know, we were at a point in our life. We had been married. Let me think. 15 years. Uh, I was working. He was working. We have the two kids. And you know how life can just get humdrum. You know, you just kind of get in a rut. And I was actually doing a Bible study at the time. It was a Beth Moore Bible study. And in that Bible study, it talked about expanding, you know, expanding our life. You know, if, if you're in a rut, you're really not where God wants you to be. <laughs> God doesn't want you to just have a boring life, you know. So uh, I was studying that every day and trying to figure out how to expand my horizons a little bit. And then that that opened up and it just was like a you know, this is it. This is what I need to do to stretch myself and, and kind of get us out of that rut that we were in. And it did it, you know, our, you know, it helped our marriage. It, it just, it opens doors. And sometimes, you know, when you're in a rut, you got to figure out a way to get out. And, and that did it. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Oh yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I know that sometimes, and I think women potentially could 
fall prey to this more, maybe not, but we have a tendency to think, oh, I'm too old for that. Or, you know, oh gosh, that's, you know, whatever. So obviously that didn't even enter into your mind and you were not thinking about any type of career. Is that correct? No, I, I thought, you know, maybe it would, you know, open some doors for me too, but it didn't, you know, it, it really was a, it was a fun thing for me to do. It has been a hobby for me. It ended up being a career for him. So, and that's okay. It, you know, sometimes we need a hobby that can really be fun and, and you never know what doors will open. So sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Right. It, but just it, it has helped me write the book too. You know, it gave me, it has given me so much more confidence. So it has helped me in my career, even though I'm, I'm not being paid to fly. Yeah. Well, it has opened doors for sure and provided new opportunities and we'll definitely get to the book and that'll be fun to, to talk about. So tell us, you know, there you are in Texas, far cry from Alaska. Um, probably the closest in size, but even that I've seen, I've been to Alaska and seen the, the hats and the t-shirts that showed uh -huh. Texas yeah. imprinted into the state of Alaska. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. So where did the draw for Alaska come from? What, what, what brought that on? Well, it's, it was from my husband. Uh, he had heard about Alaska aviation for a long time. You know, he, when we were living in El Paso, there were a lot of planes coming in and out of El Paso and several of them were cargo planes from Alaska. And so he got to talking to a lot of Alaska pilots and they, you know, just brag on, you know, how beautiful it is and how wonderful. And, and I know Sean had always wanted to do an Alaska cruise and he is very cold natured. I mean, if it's 70 degrees, he has a coat on, you know, in Texas. And, and so I thought, I remember asking him, if we ever went on a cruise, where would you want to go? And he said, Alaska. And I was absolutely shocked because Alaska seemed cold to me. And I, that was the last place I thought he would want to go. But just the, the beauty of it, um, the aviation, I mean, the aviation community in Alaska is like none other. It is, it is huge. Um, they're, it's cutting edge here, especially in, in small airplanes. You know, they, they really do some amazing work and, and are figuring out new ways to, to land airplanes in very short distances and taking off in very short distances. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's the last frontier with aviation for sure. You know, it's just really cutting edge, I think. So that's what the draw was, especially for Sean. And, and the beauty, I think, is what got me. So did you go visit first? I mean, did he put it out on the table? Hey, would you ever consider moving to Alaska or did you just want to go visit? Like, take us down that journey. Well, uh, I mean, back up just a little bit. We, we had gotten pretty just back into it. You know, we, we've got our pilot's license in 2006 and then you have to fast forward 10 more years. You know, you can get right back in the rut, <laughs> you know, just a different rut, you know? And so, I remember he came home and he said, do you realize that I'm going to be eligible for retirement this next birthday? And he was only 48. You know, you, that's pretty young to be able to retire. And but we, we really needed it. And so we got to talking about where we would want to retire. And Alaska just kept coming up. And so we decided before we made that decision, we better go visit. And so we came up on a vacation early uh, in the summer of 2016. And we had the decision made. I remember us having a layover in, in Seattle at, and we were staying at a hotel and we were making lists of things we needed to get done because we were going. So it just, I mean, it just seemed like the only thing that only option 
I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, when you make a decision, a lot of times you have several options. Well, when we came to Alaska, the rest of them just faded away. That that's, we knew that's what we were going to do. Well, and interesting, you, you left family behind. You mentioned two sons. Um, I'm yeah. guessing they're somewhat grown by this time or tell us, tell us about family and that whole part of it. Well, we, our kids were grown. Uh, one of them had just left well, one had gone to the military, and so he was well-established in the military. Our younger son, he was uh, in an apprenticeship program um, for plumbing, and, and he had left home, and, and so it was just us. So it made it a lot easier for us to make that decision. The only little kink in our plan was um, our daughter-in-law. We have a daughter-in-law from Japan. My, my older son had met and married her. And so he had brought her to the United States and she lived, they lived with us for just a little while while they found an apartment, they found their apartment. And, and this is when all of this is going on with my husband saying, we, I can, I'm eligible retire. And uh, then my son got deployed and my daughter-in-law was there in, in El Paso and she only knew us out of all of the United States we were the only people she knew. <laughs> so we thought we can't just up and move to Alaska and leave her. So she was more of a, a concern for us than our two boys. The boys were, you know, solid and doing fine. So uh, we really thought we will have to wait until my son gets back from deployment before we make a move. And uh, we talked to my son, Kyle, about it. And he said, you know, Mariah might want to go with you. And so I said, well, you know what, why don't you mention it and kind of gauge a reaction. But I didn't want her to feel, you know, like she had to go because when she came to the United States, she was scared of snow. <laughs> she never seen snow. And so I thought, I don't think, I don't know how she would be able to handle going to Alaska. Well, as soon as he mentioned it, she was excited. She was on board. So she moved with us. And which was, I don't know if I could have done it without her. She was a big support to me. So by chance, is your son a Marine? No, he's in the Army. Okay. My son's a Marine, and you mentioned Japan, uh, and I know Okinawa is a huge base. There's several uh, bases over there with the Marine Corps, so I didn't know. Uh -huh. Well, he was on the, uh, the Okinawa Marine Base. So that's where he was. Yeah. Wow. They, wow. they may have been there together. Maybe. My son en enlisted in 16. And... You know, okay, no, he, I'm back. sorry. My son never went to Okinawa. I just know there's a base there. His oh, okay, okay. In Afghanistan. That's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, I'm like ah. trying to do the math. So anyway, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Funny. It's a tight little military family too. So yes. So what? So you came home. You came home with your list, and you got <laughs> busy. Obviously, you had to sell a house. You had to buy something in Alaska, or did you do that before you left? Even. Well, we actually had two houses to sell because we had a rent house in Alpine and a house in El Paso, put both of those up for sale and they went quick, which was another, you know, kind of, all right, you know, this is going. When we came up to Alaska, one of the things that we did was go look at a property, this, this property off grid, um, the cabin at Cub Lake where, where we've been living and fell in love with that, the property. And, and, and it wasn't just Alaska that we fell in love with. It was the off grid away from everybody you know, that just the solitude. Uh, I, I actually, I, I have a little portion of my book that explains it better than I can. I, you know, I really thought, do you mind if I read it? I would love that. 
um, well, we came up and we looked at this. We went out to the to the cabin. Uh, we spent the night out there, and this is what happened the next day. Sean took my hands in his and said, honey, I need this. I knew he did, and I needed it too. Sean's 28 years in law enforcement and my years in public education had taken its toll on both of us. Our marriage had paid the price of dealing with other people's troubles and emergencies over the years. Finding this haven away from the world where we could let God heal our souls seemed like our only option. Standing on the dirt strip in the Alaska wilderness, I noticed a look of hope in Sean's eyes that I hadn't seen since we first learned to fly. I remembered a promise I'd made to my husband when we first married. I told him I would follow him anywhere. We had moved all over West Texas during our 28 years of marriage. Here we were at a crossroads once again. Sean looked at me with a glint in his eye and said, follow me to Alaska, which is the name of my book. <laughs> That's where I got the title. But we both needed it very much because we were both pretty well burned out and hanging on by a thread. So it was our little haven. Wow. So that's, we, that's an awesome story. I just, my mind is just reeling with the thought of going from everyday modern civilization and wanting to get away and start something new mm -hmm. to going totally off the grid in a remote, remote wilderness. So, wow, I'm inspired. Well, it was what we needed and, and we have enjoyed every moment, almost every moment. <laughs> in hindsight, we've enjoyed every moment. Uh, but it, it just, like I said, it was just, exactly what we needed and it felt like it was the only option so tell us then about life off the grid because I, i'm just again trying to imagine going from mm. all the modern comforts i mean i've i've stayed a number of times or several times i shouldn't say a number hope to have more at my friend cindy's cabin out there and it's off the grid too so i know about mm -hmm. you know running the generator and and just you know the outhouse i mean just the the whole other aspect of life up there for a weekend. Right. Now we're talking well, about day to day, so. I have to say, whenever I, I agreed that we would, we would find a cabin, uh, and you know, we weren't really looking for a cabin off grid, off the road system when we started looking, but he found this cabin on Zillow and he just, he, I remember him looking at me and he said, I think this is the place. And I started looking, I was like, I don't think there's a road to it, but my one criteria when we were looking at property was it had to have a bathroom. And so we actually found a cabin that had running water, bathroom. It's really a nice house. And so that made it a little bit easier, but, but the generators and not having as much electricity as I was used to. I, I mean, I couldn't just run the vacuum or put on a load of clothes. I didn't have a dryer. Um, my, my refrigerator was like the size of a RV refrigerator. It's just really small. And then I had cold storage. So I had to kind of figure all that out. Getting groceries out to the cabin is huge. And I didn't even realize it was going to be that big of an issue when we, when we first decided to move. But keeping that place stocked with food is a big deal. Um, and then make, and, and can you imagine, can you imagine having to get everything that you needed for groceries to feed your family for two months and you could not go back to the store? <laughs> uh, that's what I had to do. I, and then to keep it all to where it, you know, it stayed good. So, you know, just learning how to keep lettuce ahead of lettuce 
to where it stays fresh longer than normal. And so I learned to cut the head of that lettuce off, you know, that little white knob, you, you cut it off and then you put it in a in plastic with a lot of paper towels to soak up the moisture. I mean, I learned tricks like this of just how to keep food from spoiling um, and, and to try to get enough to where it would last us. But that has been my biggest struggle of living off grid and off the road system is just the food. Well, I can imagine. I went to the grocery store last night and came home and realized that I forgot four things. Now, if I'd right. forgotten those for four months or, for, you know, and couldn't go back for two months, as you mentioned, gosh, yes. you know, that would have totally upset my apple cart and I would have had to <laughs> totally revamp what I was going to make. So, <laughs> and, and where I was dealing with the food, Sean was dealing with, you know, keeping everything, you know, we have to have a, something, you know, we have to be able to fix plumbing. We have to be able to fix the electrical, all the different things. He had to have enough out there to where he could to make things work. So, you know, he, he dealt with all that side. So there's, you couldn't run to the, the hardware store or, you know, you just can't go to the store. When we first moved out there, we did not have an airplane. And so to go two months was pretty normal uh, because we had to have a, an air taxi come get us and then an air taxi to bring us back. And that got pretty expensive. So I had to have, I, I mentioned my list. I live by list. I have to write everything down, get everything out there because you can't just run to the store. Right. So tell us about your day-to-day -day life up there. What do you do? What is, what is, and I'm sure it's different summer and winter because it's such oh, a yeah. drastic climate difference or, you know, weather. It is. Uh, well, and, and just the beauty, the, the change in season, season from summer to, to winter, it looks completely different. And so, you know, I talk about that rut that we get in in life. Alaska, there are seasons, you know, very distinct seasons. And I like living like that because your life doesn't ever just stay the same. It's harder to get in a rut, I think, up here because there are these distinct seasons that you have to get everything. You've got to get the stuff done in the winter that you need to do in the winter. If you've got to get the stuff done in the summer that you can only do in the summer. So things are constantly changing, which I think really helps. But a day to day, get up and I make breakfast. Um, right now, I, I do a lot of Facebook promoting of my book. So I spend some time on Facebook interacting with, with readers. Uh, which I like. Uh, I know one of you, you had emailed me a question about the loneliness and I was lonely at, at first out there. Uh, I've gotten to know a lot more people and being online has really helped me because I'm a people person. I like people. I like to be around them. My husband's more of an introvert. He could go, he could go two months without even talking to me hardly. <laughs> He likes me nearby, but I mean, he's just a very quiet, introverted guy. And I don't think he needs that interaction as much. But so I get up and get, I do my Facebook a little bit and interact with people. Um, I like, I, and then there's lunch. I always make lunch. There's no going out to eat. So a lot of what I do revolves around making meals and getting those prepped. When you can't go to the grocery store, you have to learn how to bake bread. So I, I bake bread. That takes time. That's usually like a whole day. I, I spend just getting all the bread done. But I make my own bread, make my own tortillas. Uh, let me think what else I do. I do laundry about 
every third day, every fourth day, we get that done. Um, but I don't have a dryer, so that's all hung. Um, let's see. I, I like to sew. So I usually have a project going. Uh, and then if it's winter time, we are usually outside snow machining. And during the winter is when we get our wood. So uh, February, April, those months, most of our time besides cooking and washing and doing the regular stuff is gathering our firewood. That's a huge job. It is one we really enjoy. Uh, so that's winter. We do that. A lot of times in the winter, we, we're packing trails. Uh, we have we have a trail all the way to, to the river, which is about eight miles. And so there's time spent cleaning out the trails because things grow so quickly in Alaska. So we have these trails cleaned out. And then over the summer, they just go back in. I mean, it just, Alaska wants to take back over. And so it takes us a lot of times out there with the chainsaw and the clippers uh, cleaning out the trail. So those are some things we do in the winter. Uh, during the summer, I, I do a lot of, um, I like to, I, I canoe. I really enjoy getting out my canoe or my uh, kayak. Uh, we're not big fishermen, but we do go um, on a fish wheel and get our our salmon. So we get enough salmon in one afternoon to last us all year. So that's kind of a neat day. Uh, again, we get that done in one day. Uh, let me think what else. Uh, and I garden. So that's a big part of my summer is doing the garden. Because it's hard to get food out. I know I've mentioned that. It's hard to get food out. It's easier to bring seeds and get them to grow. And I remember somebody from town asked me, hey, will you bring me some zucchini? And I thought, no, it, what I grow out here stays out here. <laughs> you can go get your zucchini somewhere else, but no, I, it's too hard, you know, to fly stuff back and forth. So uh, I try to grow as much as possible in the, in the summer. Well, it's so, I, I remember going to the farmer's market in Anchorage and the zucchini were like two feet long, it seemed like, yeah. and the blueberries were huge. I mean, it was so interesting yeah. to me, you know, from someone from the lower 48 who wasn't used to that uh, um, and the, the time change. I remember sitting out at my girlfriend's patio table and looking at my watch and it was 1030 at night. And I said, oh, my watch must have stopped because it was still light mm -hmm. out. Right. And yeah. I mean, I just hadn't acclimated. So it's such an interesting diversity um, there for sure. Well, so do you enjoy cooking? I do. I don't particularly enjoy cleaning up, but I, I like cooking. And when I, whenever you were mentioning the berries, I, that takes up a lot of my summer. So about first uh, of July, I start getting strawberries. I have strawberry plants just growing wild all over our place out there. And so I get to picking strawberries. That's like an every day I'll pick like a, almost a gallon. And then uh, about the time that the strawberries stop, then the raspberries start. <laughs> And, and before, uh, and then before either one of those, I get rhubarb, it starts growing as soon as the snow clears. And so I start getting rhubarb. So I have rhubarb, strawberry, raspberries, and then I get blueberries in the forest. I have to go away from the, the cabin, but so berries take up a big portion of my time in the summer. That's but awesome. I love it. I, I, I love finding that just, oh, and they're just delicious. They're wonderful. So tell us about your book. 
And what led to writing it? Did you know right away? Was it something that, that evolved? You've been there since 17? Is that what 2016. you 2016. 2016. So yeah. We were here in August. We came in and, and visited in June and we, we were in the cabin August the 26th. So it, uh, that summer was fast and furious, getting everything done and getting, getting the move. Uh, the book happened. I have always wanted to write a book. Uh, I, was, I was a teacher. I remember teaching third graders how to write. And I remember, you know, just going through the process. And I thought, I, I think I could write a book one day. And so I quit teaching when my son was a baby. I stayed home with my kids for seven years while they were growing up. And uh, I remember thinking, I, I think I'm going to write a novel. So I started a novel. You know, I had nothing to write about. I didn't have very much life experience, you know, and so that didn't go anywhere. I think I wrote a couple of pages, but I, you know, it was always in the back of my mind and anybody would talk about, you know, what do you want to do in your life? That was one of the first things that would pop into my head was I want to write a book. And I thought, well, maybe a children's book. I mean, I just didn't know, didn't really know how to do it. And then when we came up to Alaska, I thought, I mean, well, and just moving into our cabin and I started having, we had these very unusual experiences and I was lonely. So what did I do? I got on Facebook and I started telling all my Texas friends about what life was like in Alaska. And, you know, usually you write a post on Facebook and you get like two comments. Well, I was getting like 50 comments with questions. You know, everybody wanted to know what this was like. And I got tired of answering all the questions. So whenever I would write, you know, something that happened, I tried to put in all the details, so I wouldn't have to answer so many questions, you know, so I got, I was just developing my writing, my writing skills, when I just didn't even think about it, I was just telling the stories, and, and then people started saying, you need to write a book, uh, and I thought, well, I've always wanted to write a book, so that's how it evolved, and I remember, uh, I had a friend, he had written his books, but he had lived up here for 44 years. He had so much to tell, but he kept telling me, um, you need to, you need to start writing. You need to get this done. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm too, I'm too new here. And I kept telling him, uh, I have to wait until more happens. Well, uh, my husband had a plane crash. And when he was in the hospital, my friend called me and he said, now you have enough for a book. <laughs> More has happened. <laughs> yeah, I thought, okay, a plane crash. Now I have enough for a book. I kind of hated to tell Sean, but I was like, you know what? Now I have enough for a book. Thank you. <laughs> but no, he, he didn't do that on purpose. And, and, and it was all very sad and scary, but it was kind of funny that my friend called me and he was like, okay, this is, this is the tipping point. You can do it now. And it really was, it, it, it helped me realize, I, I think I do have enough now. And so I just put it together. It went together fairly quickly. I started it in October of 2019, and then I had it published in May of 2020. So, but I had most of my stories worked out because I had answered so many questions over and over. But that's how it, it kind of evolved. Yeah, it's amazing how Facebook or any type of blogging or just chronicalizing anything, writing mm -hmm. down your experiences, how much easier that does make it to write a book, you know, to just continue on with the story for sure. So you mentioned you moved up there in 16 and when did you buy your airplane? 2018. Okay, We so bought it uh, in the summer of 2018. And then in November of 2018, uh, my husband was uh, taking off of a little strip north of Willow uh, 
uh, on wheels and had an engine failure. And he was only about 300 feet up and over the Susitna River. And the, the Susitna River um, is a braided river. So there's all these water channels, but there's also land with these huge cottonwood trees. And it was 17 degrees that day. There were big chunks of ice in the, in the water. And so he, and he had 13 seconds from the time the engine quit until he hit the ground. And he had to make some tough decisions of where to go. Uh, but pretty much all he had was cottonwood trees. And so he took the trees and hit the trees at about, they think about a hundred feet up. And then the plane went down. Um, and kind of just pancaked it hit on the left side and he was out there that happened at uh, 4 30 p.m on November the 1st which is a big deal uh, you had mentioned in Alaska you were there during the summer and at 10 30 it was still light well in the winter it gets dark early um, and so at 4 30 we're looking at it's going to get dark pretty quickly and if you don't get somebody out there for rescue, do you hear the airplane going over? <laughs> I do. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We live in, we're here in a little uh, airport community in town. So anyway, uh, 4.30, that was, it was getting to where you, you had to get somebody out there to get help. So they called the PJs, uh, uh, pararescue coordination, the pararescuers out of Anchorage, and they came and got him in a, oh, let me think if I can think of the, uh, I'll have to think of the, the aircraft later, uh, but they came and rescued him out of there before it was too dark, and if he had had to stay stayed out there all night, I don't know that he would have made it, so they got him out and took him to Anchorage, and it was a severe crash. It was pretty bad. Totaled the plane? Yes, yes. It, and then you replaced it and he recovered and you're both yes. flying still. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we're both flying, but it, you know, we had to get over quite a bit of fear. Uh, I think, I think I deal with it more than he does. I wasn't even the one in the crash. And thankfully I wasn't with him. I don't know what we would have done if we'd have both been in that crash and both been uh, beat up so bad, but he had a pretty long recovery. He had 15 broken bones, um, but not one surgery. He ended up having um, liquid taken a, a, away from around his lungs. That was probably the worst, but he had nine rib fractures. His sternum was broken, an arm broken, a, his heel broken, his tooth. It, I mean, all on his left side. It, he had a lot of damage on that left side, but he uh, survived and we, we got another airplane, I guess that next summer. So we went one more winter without an airplane and, and he got back in and just got right back at it. Wow. That's quite a story. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty, it was a big deal for us. Uh, and, and it was kind of interesting. He, he crashed on November 1st of 2018. And then I don't know if you remember, but we had a, a significant uh, earthquake up here in Alaska on the 30th of November. And so he was still beat up real bad. <laughs> and I remember, cause I'm not a very good nurse. I, you know, I had about had it, you know, <laughs> mercy is not my strong suit. And so I had been, you know, taking care of him, taking care of him on that day. But I mean, our world just got shook up. And I remember thinking, all right, I've had it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I told him, I said, you can quit playing the airplane crash card because <laughs> you're going to just have to suck it up because I can't handle all this. <laughs> and so he did kind of was like, okay, the next day it was like, he took more charge and, and just did a lot better because I was, I was at my end, but that was a, an, an interesting day because uh, our world got shook up twice that month. Boy, it did. It did. And mm -hmm. I do remember that earthquake. I remember it on the news, but I also remember it because, mm -hmm. you know, my girlfriend texting me and telling about it and posting it on Facebook and yeah. seeing all of that. So yeah, for sure. What, what other chapters? Read us some of the chapters that are in the book, just to give us a little bit more of a feel for what's in the book, the flavor of it. Um, and wow, that, that's speedy. That's a speedy time frame to start writing and get it published. I'm impressed. Well, you know, and I wrote it, uh, I, I started writing it right the next year after his plane crash. And it's funny, we talked about how the seasons happened, you know, well, uh, the, the weather started changing and all those feelings came back, you know, and it just felt like that airplane crash. It, I mean, it just was airplane crash weather, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And so I was just filled with all this emotion. And so uh, I wrote chapter nine first, and that was telling about the airplane crash because the weather was the same. You know, we had to take the airplane, the, the, the new airplane, we took it in to take it off of floats and put it on wheels. So we were doing all that same stuff. And so, you know, it's easy to write when the emotions are strong. Uh, I think it's a lot easier. And so I started with that and, and then went back and, and filled in and, and started at the beginning. But that was what I, I did first. Uh, I talk about in the book, I, chapter one is difficult decisions. And it, it tells about what really made us decide to, to move up there, which I've touched on a little bit. Uh, chapter two is moving north. Uh, our <laughs> People laugh because moving to Alaska is not easy. And moving from El Paso to an off-grid, off-the-road system uh, cabin is, is almost impossible. <laughs> we sold almost everything we owned and just uh, mailed, uh, we mailed 31 totes. Those big black totes you find at the hardware store with the yellow lids. I hate yep. those things because that was everything. Moving. <laughs> yes. And it, and it really hard. Uh, but so we, we had been married 28 years. And so we had a two story, big house full of stuff that we had to get rid of. And, you know, that was hard, you know, they were precious things. And so we got rid of all, almost everything. We mailed only 31 totes and then, uh, and then we barged them up the river and dumped them on the side of the river thinking, okay, it's only three miles to the cabin. It's not three regular miles. It was, it was three miles of muskeg. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it is, it is just like spongy earth. And there was just lots of water. And I can't even tell you how many times we got stuck. Uh, there was one time that I thought Sean was going to die because our, our side-by-side -side fell off of a bridge, our homemade bridge that we built. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't up to the standards, you know? And so he fell off this bridge. I, I thought he was going to die. And I was out there four miles from, uh, from our cabin because it was three miles as the crow flies, but it was an eight mile trail because you have to pick your way around. And we were about halfway and we had this accident and our side-by-side -side was off in this creek. I thought it was going to fall over on him. 
I mean, so it was harrowing just trying to move in. <laughs> and so people laugh at us. They're like, oh, these uh, chichacos. Chichaco is a term that Alaskans use for people who don't know what they're doing. That was us. And we were out there about to, about to die. <laughs> so uh, the first few chapters tell us just about moving in and getting used to the land and the, and the weather. And I mean, it was, it was just, it was unbelievable. It's almost like moving to the moon. I mean, I just don't think there could be that much difference because <laughs> it was so different. Uh, and I didn't, we just didn't have any clue that it was that different. And so you asked me in, in an email, you said, talk about uh, what you would recommend for people who want to make this change. I would tell them, read my book so you don't make the same mistakes that we made. Because we made, we made, we tried to make them all, you know, we, we went through them and it was, we learned a lot. Um, and there, and we didn't have people to ask, you know, how, what are we doing? And, and Alaskans are kind of funny. They will not tell you, uh, how to do something unless you ask specifically. And we didn't even know to ask. We didn't know what we didn't know. And so we, we made lots of mistakes. So that was one whole chapter is just, I guess it was a couple of chapters is, is, is moving into our cabin because it took us months. We thought it was going to take us a couple of days and it took us months. Um, our first winter, everything changed when winter came. Um, we at one time we had gotten 14 feet of snow out of our cabin. I was used to being in Texas where it snowed and then it melted and it was gone. <laughs> and in here in Alaska, it doesn't melt. It just piles up and you just have to learn how to get used to it and learn how to deal with it. Um, I talk a lot about Alaska aviation and our flying friends, the freedom of flight. Uh, when we were out there at that cabin before we had an airplane, we were pretty well stuck. We had to have an airplane come get us or wait till winter. We can snow machine in and out, but that's a 50 mile trip on the river over a frozen river. That's, that's an adventure too. So, uh, when we got that airplane, it just really opened up our world because mo there's so many places in Alaska that you cannot get to without an airplane. There are not that many roads here. So that's why Alaska aviation is so huge. So that's just a few of the things I've written about in the book. Uh, and I tell about how our relationship strengthened over the, over the years too, because at the beginning, we were, you know, we didn't really even know each other. We've gone kind of separate ways and it was a time to come back together and and so that's in there too well that saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger comes to mind for me <laughs> listening to all this was, was there any point early on especially that you thought i've made a mistake i want to go home oh yeah but we had sold everything we didn't have a house <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I first started writing the book, my working title was all in because we did, when we made that decision, we decided we weren't going to keep one foot over there and one foot over in Alaska because then you'd have a split focus. And I don't like that. You know, when you make a decision, you go for it. And so there wasn't really any turning back, which I'm glad. I, I'm glad because we would have, we would have turned right around and we'd gone back. And we'd have said, forget that. So, you know, there's there's something to be said for, you know, this is it and we're going for it. 
but yeah, if, if I'd had a house and all my stuff, yeah, we would have been back (laughs) probably by within a week, (laughs) but I'm so thankful we didn't. Yeah. What would you say you've most learned about yourself through this process? I am strong. I am stronger with Sean and I, and we're, well, I wrote down, let me see. I I wrote down a scripture. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And, and I, whenever I was thinking about what have I learned, I thought I, I am strong but I am stronger with my husband and we are stronger with God, the three, you know, and um, I think people have to have those three things. I I feel for people who are all alone and that was never so um, clear as when Sean had his accident and he needed me. Uh, And my son was uh, playing, was thinking about getting married at the time. And, you know, before, you know, you look at your kids and you think, oh, just stay single, you know, just stay single and enjoy life. And, and, you know, you get, make that commitment. It's hard, you know, it's a, it's a, it's hard to adjust to somebody. And I thought, you know, just enjoy being single. And then when Sean had that crash and he just needed somebody there, I called my son and I said, you know what, if you want to get married, I understand, you know, that you know, you, you, it is better to go through this life with somebody and help each other. Um, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And then to have a faith in God and, and, and a direction and some guidance and, and knowing what you're doing. I mean, if you're, you can do anything. Yes, definitely. For sure. Wow. So what do you, what do you foresee for the next 10 to 20 years for you <laughs> and Sean up there? Oh, well, we, we have put our cabin up for sale. Uh, we're ready for another adventure. Uh, we've done, we got out what we wanted to get out there. And, and we think that place, uh, I think it's, it's ready for somebody else to be their safe. So their, their little haven, you know, away from the world and to, to have some of the adventures that we've had, hopefully not the bad ones, you know, they can have some better ones, <laughs> but you know, we, we're wanting to, uh, I would like to explore Alaska a little bit more. When we live out there at the cabin, it, it's all about just survival, you know, getting our supplies out there. It, it's all encompassing. And so I want to just really look at, be able to ha- spend some time in Alaska and, and do the traveling. I've started a photography business, uh, because I just love taking the picture. It's hard to take a bad picture in Alaska, you know, <laughs> So I, I can uh, cheat on my skills just a little bit because it is just so gorgeous here. I love going, taking my camera out and just taking pictures and, uh, and sharing that beauty with people on, online. Um, so I've, I'm doing that. Um, Sean, um, he, you know, you're married to a pilot and I think you will understand this, but He has loved aviation so much that there have been times like during his crash that he thought, what if I lose my pilot's license, you know, and it's almost like a, you know, my life would be over kind of deal. Uh, And, but he's also learned that he really likes to work on airplanes. And so he wants to explore that and see if he can become an AMP. Just so, you know, when he gets older, he can have, he can still be in that world. 
even if his health may not as, be as good as it needed to be to, to fly. So uh, he's exploring that. Uh, I would like to get my tailwell endorsement. I, I got my float rating this summer. And so I've, I've flown some in Alaska and there is not anything more exciting than to take off of one lake and landing in another one. And you have to watch out for moose because they're, they can be swimming in the water. Uh, you look over there and there's Denali just shining, just gorgeous. Uh, there, there are so many things to do in Alaska uh, that it, it's just endless possibilities. So those are a few things that we would like to explore. You know what I really love about your spirit that are that comes through. You know, we've never met and we talked on the phone briefly and emailed, but I love your I can do it at any age stage and I, I'm not done yet. Like you guys have retired and taken on this new adventure, but it's I I love that you're constantly looking at what's next and what's that mean and you know and and I think I know for me and hopefully the listeners will get this too. It's been it's been really good for me to hear your ease of letting go of stuff. We tend to hang on to stuff so much mm -hmm. as humans, as women, as you know, a lot of that. And it's, it's really interesting for me to hear you, the ease that you let go of your house, your old way of living, if you will, you know, what you had grown up with and known, your family, friends, a whole community, careers, all of that. And, and all that stuff, like you said, that precious stuff that you let go of and, you know, what that's meant moving into this new career and then go or this new stage in life and going through all of that. And now there's another stage coming up. So now you're ready and willing to let go of this cabin that was everything at the time. I hadn't thought about it like that. What, what I thought about when you were talking was uh, uh, an old pilot that I know here. There was one time that I needed to uh, fly out of the at the cabin at Cub Lake, and our regular pilot wasn't available. He his plane had been crashed, <laughs> and so he gave me the name of this other this other pilot, uh, and I knew him. His name's Don, and he came out and got me. And I think at the time he was eighty five years old, and that was three or four years ago. So now he's uh, probably close to eighty nine. And he has a five-year plan. I remember us sitting uh, on the, the on the lake. It was frozen at the time. We were lit, sitting there getting ready to take off. And I said, and he said something. He's, we were just visiting. He was waiting for the, the engine to warm up. And he starts telling me what he's wanting to do in the next five years. And I'm thinking, you're 88 years old. You know, I think most people who are 88 don't even buy green bananas, you know, and here he is <laughs> with a five-year plan and I'm 30 years younger than him. So, you know, why do we think that there's a time that, okay, we just, just sit here and die, you know, we need to be out there doing something, you know, what can you accomplish in the next five years? Uh, you could get a degree. I mean, I mean, there are so many things you can do in the next five years. And in five years, you're going to be five years older. You might as well do what it is you want to do. So, yeah, sometimes I think, I think, oh, you know, I, I'd like to write another book and do all these things. And I think, you know what, there's time. I just need to take them one at a time and, and get them done. Uh, but yeah, why do we stop? We don't need to stop. And we really don't need to let precious things hold us back. You know, and sometimes you have to let go of one before you can grab hold of the next. 
And it is hard leaving Cub Lake. I'll tell you, um, you know, putting it up for sale, it was heart-wrenching because it has become such a precious place to us. But you know what? I think letting go of our place in El Paso and making that big leap did kind of help me prepare, you know, because there's good things in store. You know, we just might not see what they are, but if we don't, if we don't go for it, we don't get to see them because if you don't go for it, you don't get it. Yeah. You have to close the door for a new one to open. Yeah, you really do. You do. So That's tell us how we can find more about you. I know you have a Facebook page. Tell us, give us the, give us all the details, how we can learn more about you, follow you on Facebook, how we can order your book, how we okay. can live life vicariously through you and all your experiences. <laughs> okay. Well, Facebook, I, I post something every day, a story, pictures, um, something about Alaska. So that's follow me to Alaska on, on Facebook. And that, that page is growing like crazy. And I've really enjoyed getting to know people through it. Uh, you can find my book on Amazon. You can just look up Follow Me to Alaska by Ann Parker. Uh, it's in Kindle. It's actually free if you have KU, the Kindle Unlimited. Uh, it's in paperback, hardback, and audio. That was a whole, uh, I got to meet a narrator. I picked a narrator. Her name's Teresa Bonkin. She did an excellent job narrating the book. So it's on Audible. Um, you can get an autograph book from my website, followmetoalaska.com. Uh, I have a few videos on YouTube. We'd like to put more on there, but there's some flying videos and some snow machine videos and some videos about the Iditarod. Uh, and it's Follow Me to Alaska and Parker. Uh, and then I have my a lot of my photography on SmugMug. So you can find me there at annparker.smugmug.com. And those are just pretty pictures to look at, even if you don't buy anything. But that's kind of a, a glimpse of Alaska from what traveling I have been able to do. So that's me online. I love it. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes so that if people are walking or driving, listening, um, they can just come back later to the show notes and just click it and we'll have it there. So, Anne, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, for writing the book, for sharing your amazing story. Um, any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, yeah, well, I do want to encourage the people who are listening to, uh, you know, if, they, if they're in a rut, to figure a way to get out. And sometimes that's a, it, it's hard to get unstuck. I, I was telling you that when we moved up here, we got stuck all the time. And and I and my job was to be in the side by side and Sean would be pulling with the with the come along. And he would tell me when you feel that tightness on there, he said, you've got to gun it. You know, you've really got to gun it. If you just barely go, you don't get out of the rut. And so I think that would be my encouragement is if you're getting out of rut, know it, it's hard and you're going to have to really go for it but it is worth it. You know, it is no fun just living in a rut. Well, good advice. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here and well, we will follow you. you on all those places and we'll follow you to Alaska. I want to encourage everyone to go visit in Alaska too, because it is beautiful wow. and it's like no other place and you can't know it until you experience it. And you can't really know it till you live there like you do, but, um, oh, but it's a wonderful place to visit. Yeah, it is. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you. So hopefully you enjoyed listening to Ann Parker and her great adventure in Alaska and what's coming next for her. I love showcasing 
all different types of people on the show. So if you would like to be on the show or have an idea, that information is coming up next. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Take a screenshot, email it to me, Jackie at pilotwifepodcast.com, and I'll enter you into a drawing for a fun wine slash coffee tumbler with Pilot Wife Podcast on it and some hot pink lips if you'd like that. Thanks again. If you like what you're hearing on the show, grab the Pilot Wife Checklist at pilotwifechecklist.com. And if you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. Share the show with any pilot wives, military wives, or anyone in aviation you know who might share and benefit from this similar experience. I'll see you on the journey.